Good morning. Hope everybody managed the blizzard of 2017 okay. <laughs> I got to get my sweater out of the drawer this morning, the first sweater of the season, so I hope everybody got to sleep a little bit extra. We only had one service today, so all kind of good stuff. Hope you got a couple of things in front of you. Info guide. Most importantly right now, the sermon notes. We have been expositionally working through Galatians, and we are at chapter 3, which if you've never studied Galatians, chapter 3 is, brothers and sisters, as it gets on over the next couple weeks, uh, the deep end of the pool, and we're going to, and we're going to go there by faith, and so I'm excited about it. Galatians 3 has made a huge impact in my life as a whole book. I want to let you know something as you find Galatians 3, 1 to 9 in your, in your Bibles. We are going to have a called campus meeting. It's not in your info guide. We've just, we've just done this, and I know it messes up one growth group, and I'm sorry, but we need to have that to talk about some changes coming in January. And so we're going to have a called campus meeting uh, next week at 4 o'clock. So I urge you to be a part of that, and, uh, and we'll, we'll make good, uh, be good stewards of your time. Stand with me. Galatians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, I hope you have made Galatians a part of your weekly Bible study, and that way when we come in, we're not just like we're starting right in the middle of a letter. We're, we're reading a whole letter. This letter is meant to be read really at one time, and, uh, but here we're jumping in at Galatians 3. Beginning in verse 1, Paul, speaking to the churches in Galatia, says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith, just as Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Lord, we feel week after week the urgency in this letter. Lord, may we feel it today. May God's word both challenge us and encourage us. May it orient us. Despite what the storms that are blowing through our life, despite the mountain peaks that we're standing on right now, may you orient us, Lord, foundationally. How shall we then live? Lord, we need you this morning to calm us down and to focus us on your word. So would you do that through the power of your spirit that dwells in all those who are born again? We ask you in Jesus' name. You can be seated. 
So just remember with me, chapter 1, Paul defends his apostleship. He starts it. You remember a defensive posture. He has to be defensive because there are false teachers that have come into God's church that are saying, passing on a grace plus message, a faith plus the works of the law. The pinnacle of this works was not simply the dietary laws and those things of the Jewish law, but was circumcision itself. And you remember he's teaching there's only one gospel. This other gospel is no gospel. We have received it independently. We have verified it collectively. This is the gospel. There is no other. Then in chapter 2, he lays out the doctrine of justification by faith. Brothers and sisters, as Christians, this is our center. This is non-negotiable doctrine of the church. So he lays it out. And now in chapter 3, he is going to defend it. And he is going to defend it, not only with your experience and the Galatians' experience. He's going to bring into this. This is going to be probably the biggest part of the sermon. But then he's going to fold in Scripture. We're going to begin there, and then we'll keep that going even next week. A couple questions just to orient us this morning towards the text. It's in your notes. What is the authenticating mark of my salvation? Did I receive it, or must I achieve it? And even important, if you're taking notes, I didn't write that on there. I've got it on the screen. How did I receive it? If we can all agree this morning that we received our salvation as a gift, then let's look at the text because Paul wants us to understand how did you receive it? This is important for the case he's making, which we'll talk about next week, to just live by faith. That how we begin is how we endure. How we begin our salvation is how we live out that salvation. And so he's astounded in verse 1 when he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Now in that culture there was a lot of magic going on. There was a lot of all this. If you lived in other contexts, even in this country, you would probably make more sense to you. But he's basically saying, who's cast a spell over you? Someone's cast a spell on you. I don't understand. How could you be so foolish? Dare we say with kids in the room, you could say this word means stupid. It could also mean mentally lazy. It's a question for us this morning. Am I a lazy Christian? Just sticking in my mouth anybody, anything that somebody sets on the plate. I had a brother at Gastonia, at the Gastonia campus, who after a being part of Parkwood for some time. He was in my growth group, and we were talking one day, and he said he went to a church. If I called the name of it, we'd all know it. He said, Stephen, we knew that that church didn't preach Jesus Christ and crucified. It really just preached about us. We knew it. But man, they had a good concert. Every week. He said, you'd pay to go to that concert. He said, and you know what it did? It lulled us. It pulled us in. And we began to slowly starve to death. We didn't even know it. This is what's at stake for the Galatians. And this is what's at stake for us. If we become a, to adopt some idea that we must work to be accepted by God. 
So Paul, what is Paul to do with these people he's writing a letter to who have been mesmerized by a false doctrine? He begins to ask them questions, rhetorical questions. This is how you know you've got a good teacher too, by the way. If I'm ever talking to you and you start asking questions or if you're asking yourself questions, pretty good sign. What he's doing, he's asking questions. He's doing it to provoke them. Let's think. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're saying. Think about how you're living. So what marks you as a true believer? Look what he said. This is where he starts. This is why he's astounded. Look at the end of verse 1. He says, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, they weren't there at the crucifixion, necessarily. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I was clear. When I preached the gospel to you, you have no excuse. I clearly communicated Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I I clearly communicated that one is saved by faith alone. And you heard it. He even makes the case, if you look here in a minute, we'll look at, the, at verse 2. You, you heard, you received, you were indwelled. What happened? You see, salvation is not something that can just happen to you and you not know it. It's a supernatural thing that happens at salvation. So what marks you as a true believer? Brothers and sisters, the authenticating mark of a true believer is the Holy Spirit. What's what authenticates it? He says, remember, look at verse 2. Did you, let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit? So he, see, he's assuming. You've received the Spirit. Thus became believers. Romans 8, 9, we looked at this last week. Let's remind ourselves, because I know we've all slept since then. Romans 8, verse 9. To be saved is to be indwelled by God. Verse, Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Clear God's Word. This is why He's confused, but I want you to see even more. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. You see, when you're saved and when the Holy Spirit is given to you, things happen. Things become true that wasn't true before. Look at what it says. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Listen, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Do you see what comes with the Holy Spirit? Understanding, that's important. Because there's a contrast in verse 14. Look at it. This understanding is distinct from those who have not the Holy Spirit. The natural person, verse 14, uh, 14 does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Listen, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Two things you need to see in that text. Accept. They do not accept the things of the Spirit of God, and they are not able to understand them. You see, this is why he brings up the foolish. This is why he's confused. This is why he's astounded. This is why he says you're bewitched. Because if you have been indwelled, what's given to you is understanding. So why are you acting like you don't have it? 
So then he brings up verse 2, which is really the core of the issue for Paul. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's one or the other. How did you receive the Holy Spirit? How did you receive it? There's no question that if you are born again, you have the Holy Spirit. Now the question becomes how? How did you receive it? Did you have to achieve it through a combination of works and faith? Or is works, which is it? Think. You see, he's, he's making them go back to their experience and think about the reality of it. Look at, that, look at that phrase, hearing of faith. If you go back and you look at chapter 2 and chapter 3, in context of this letter, faith equals trusting in God. When he uses faith, that's the context he's using it in. Turn with me to Romans 10. I think that'll even bring some more clarity. We've been going, notice in Galatians, we've been going back to Romans a lot. Romans 10, verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Listen to what? For Isaiah, he's quoting Isaiah. Remember Isaiah speaking to the children of Israel. And to get them to repent for their idolatry. Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Listen to verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through what? The word of Christ. No word. The word must be declared. If you read the old chapter 10, this even makes more sense. The word must be declared. And people must hear. Faith. So you see it. Believing is, is the pathway, not doing. Believing is the pathway to receiving the Holy Spirit. It's not doing something. And so we get to verse 3. Look at it. Are you so foolish? Back to Galatians 3, verse 3. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you are now being perfected by the flesh? It's another question. It's an important question. What, here's what he's saying. Let's boil it down if you know the terms. We've been talking about justification. Christ's declaration. Definition's there at the top of your notes. Christ's declaration that we are righteous solely through faith. Sanctification then is our progressive moving towards holiness in our actual life. Here's his question then. Is justification by the Spirit but sanctification by works? That's what he's asking them. This is the heart of the issue. He's saying, and you know. So you know James 1.18. Let me just read it to you. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. James says, make no mistake. You were born again by the will of God. It took his creative power to make you alive in Christ. He's, now they're saying. So you're now you're adopting a new strategy. This is how you've begun, but now perfection, now becoming like Christ in your actual life, it's all up to you. Is this something, you're developing a new strategy. You think you can improve on the Holy Spirit. Thank you for waking me up. I got it from here. We hear this a lot. God's got a blessing for you. You just need to unlock it by what? What you do. 
Should it not bother us, brothers and sisters, that most of what we call gospel preaching feeds the very thing Christ tells us to kill? That is you, yourself. He's pushing. He's, what he's pushing them to is this new strategy. It's got to be consistent. He's going to develop that even more. He's going to pull the, pull the carpet right out from under them next week. He's saying you've got to be consistent. If you believe that you've got it, that you can do it without the Spirit, you can believe you can do it without faith alone, then, then you've got to justify yourself. And you're in big trouble. He's saying you're not consistent. You see, it's this modern example. Many of us maybe have even said it. God helps those who what? Who help themselves. Do you, do you know that that is heretical? Not in scripture. And a matter of fact. It is the complete opposite of the gospel. Teach that to someone. And you have just nullified the good news. God helps those who cannot help themselves. That's why it's good news. That's why we can take this gospel. Anywhere in the world. No matter what they have. Or what they don't have. And it's still good news. He's saying if you buy into this. You're going to miss it, and you're not going to live by faith. You see, he's saying we've got to be consistently. If we're born again by faith alone, we must live by faith alone, day by day relying on the Spirit, by faith. This is, he says, but don't misunderstand the message here. Paul worked, Romans 15, 18. Paul worked. We could look at this. He made sure that you knew. He He worked. There was a way, it's a fundamentally different way that we work as Christians. Look at what it says, Romans 15. Look at me at verse 18. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Do you see that? He's working, but he's saying, because I live by faith, because alive in Christ, that which I do, I've got nothing to brag about. It is Christ in me. We grow like we start by faith in Christ. This understanding will produce radical obedience in King's Mountain and all over the world. So your own experience should teach you this. That's what he's saying. Your own experience should teach you that the Holy Spirit's work in your life began by faith, not by your works. And if that is true, then we live by faith alone. We strive towards completion in Christ by faith alone. But he's not done. <laughs> he's not done. So now he brings Abraham into the picture. So... What marked Abraham as a true believer? And when you read verse 5, you've got to read it with verse 6. Look at the structure before we read it. The question mark is at the end of what verse? Verse 6. So the quotation of Genesis 15, 6 at the end of verse 6 is part of the question. He's tying in this, our faith, Abraham's faith. Listen to it. Asking a question. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God, 
and it was counted to him as righteous. Do you see what he's done? He's got a just as right in the middle of there. Verse 5, your experience should have taught you something. That all these spiritual power, all this divine dynamite that's going on around you comes not by something that you do. It comes by faith in what he does and what he has done. Just like Abraham. <laughs> he says, is that not true? He brings Abraham into the picture, thus bringing scripture. This is a direct quote from Genesis 15, 6. And he believed the Lord and, it, and he counted it to him. As righteousness. Now be careful, brothers and sisters. Careful not to say that the point of the text is to say that Abraham received the Holy Spirit as the Galatians. That's not true, and that's not his point. The point's the how. How did Abraham and his descendants become God's people? That's his point. He became God's people just as you did, by faith. That's his, that's his argument he's making. You see, the Judaizers emphasized Abraham as well. In fact, when Abraham comes up, they're like, hmm. They emphasized obedience. All you got to do is read the Maccabees, read any kind of Jewish literature. You'll see, I even had an Orthodox Jew tell me one time, faith has little to do with it. It is about obedience. So they, they, they flip it on his head and say, look at Abraham's obedience. He said, no, you've got to get this in the right order. You see, Paul says the Old Testament emphasizes faith precedes obedience. The order is important. You see, this righteousness that was given to him is forensic. It was credited. It was counted. This was not an ethical transformation of, for Abraham. This was a gift given to him that was outside of him. And he says, this is just as you. That though you being a sinner can hear the message, trust in the Lord by faith, and by that faith you are united to Christ. You heard, you believed, you are counted righteousness. So we see then that what authenticates the children of Abraham is faith in the promises of God. Verse 7. Look at what it says. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Let's first look at those of faith. Do you see that? What does it not say? Those, Because the Judaizers would have agreed if it would have said this. Those not know then that it is those who are faithful who are the sons of Abraham. That's not what it says. Faith is in view, not faithfulness. The order is important. Remember, we're laying a foundation for living by faith. Judaizers would have went along with that. But you see, this is tied to Genesis 15. Believed, the verb believed leaves no doubt that it is believing, not faithfulness, that's tied here. It's those of faith. Those, the quote in verse 6, those who believed. So in verse 7, infers the belief. This is Paul's forceful truth. Those who are saved by faith alone are Abraham's family. This would have, you see, when you start talking about children of Abraham, if there's any Judaizers, if there's any Jews in the room, they're all going to start pulling out their wallet and pulling out their membership card. We got this. Everybody to have a, I'm a card-holding member of the child of the children of Abraham. Why? Because I'm a Jew and I'm born into it. He's about to, he throws them a, 
curveball here. He said, you don't understand. You don't understand the scripture. You are only a child of Abraham by faith. And if you put works in front of it, you're in big trouble. But he's not done. He brings us into the equation. Remember sitting around at the table not too long ago when Peter was eating with with the Gentiles and he pulled away from them? It's all connected in this letter. Look at verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall the nations be blessed. So what did the scripture foresee? Some blessings going to come to us. The scripture knew that the Gentiles were going to be brought into the as children of Abraham by faith. And they were brought in the same way you were a card holding member by faith. And if you weren't brought in by faith, you were not brought in. What is he quoting right there? He's quoting Genesis 12, verse 3. Genesis 12, verse 3. But notice what he's done. He's used Genesis 15, verse 6 first. Believed by faith and it was counted him as righteous. Now he brings in this other promise in Genesis 12. The order for Paul is important. Because now he's pointing to something that is both historical and redemptive. He's saying it was always part of God's historical redemptive plan to bless all people with one thing, the gospel. And we do not bless them if we bless them with something and leave it out. This was the part. This is the plan. This is the only means given why men must be saved. And it was there in the Old Testament. And it came through Abraham. Look at verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. How? Because by faith we became became the people of God. With me to Romans 4. I hope you're part of a growth group. Because they're going to talk about Romans 4. I'm just going to read it. Because it ties all of this together. I just want us to read it together. And I'm going to move into the application. I'm going to read it slowly. I hope you're part of a growth group to be able to talk about it. Romans 4. Look at verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Verse 6, Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one whom God counts righteous apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Verse 9, Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. 
How then was it counted to him? Listen, it's in this argument. It's rock solid. Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised. Listen. But who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Do you see his points? So are we. Are we actively, daily trusting in God by faith alone? Or... Because it, listen, there's not a light switch for this. I am not saying, neither is Paul, and he would take the, his shirt off and show you the scars to prove it, that this is something that's simple or that's easy. It might be clear, but this is hard. This is war. Walk by faith alone and you will see spiritual warfare come into your life. We talked about that last week. But this is, there's the only another option. We begin trying to please God by what we do. You're not striving. All you have to do is nothing for this to happen. So I want to ask you a question. Have you bought into this bad theology that just tells you to try harder? Try harder. You can do it. God saved you. It's all up to you. I wonder, brothers and sisters, is this why we're so busy? You ever heard this phrase, it takes a village to raise a kid? It takes a whole church to live by faith. What is the church? A body of spirit-filled believers. And brothers and sisters, if you want to daily walk and trust by faith, you will surround yourself with spirit-filled believers. And you will not neglect it. Brothers and sisters, I'm being honest today. And I want you to feel the passion within me for my love for you. If you're too busy for growth group, you're too busy. Your spiritual life and the spiritual life of other people depends on you living in community with people. If you're too busy to sit around someone's table or invite them to sit around yours, you're too busy. Busyness can be the death blow of your spiritual growth and perfection in Christ. It's something we must fight for. It's something that we must prioritize. Lest we fall into this, yes, God saved me, but now it's all up to me what I make. Listen, that may be some kind of spin on a Judeo-Christian ethic, but it is not the Bible. We're going to talk about this next week. But from Habakkuk to Hebrews, the just always live by faith. So I want to talk about this this morning. I want you to talk about it in growth group. We must daily kill, kill the God of legalism in our life. A.W. Tozer, he's influenced a lot of my thinking here lately. I told you last week I'm reading a book by him. And here's what he says, that there are things in our life that hide the smiling face of God. You need to understand that. This justification we're talking about, it is that God has declared you once for all righteous. 
So what could happen that hides it? There's nothing that hides it more than legalism. And listen, this list is not original to me by any means, but if you, if you don't admit that you're, you struggle with one of these, you're not paying attention. There is much legalism in the world today. I myself am a recovering one. I've got at least one of these on the list, if not two or three. Fundamentalist legalism. It's the cross plus keeping the standards. It's the cross plus the do's and the don'ts. It puts blessed first. Blessed when by faith we obey. Notice verse 9. Those with faith are blessed. You see the difference. Listen. If blessing is the object of your faith, God is not. If anything is the object of your faith, God is not. He is the object of our faith. We do not do it to be blessed. We do it because we are blessed. If not, we are struggling with legalism. There is a charismatic legalism. It is the cross plus some gift of the Spirit. Maybe it's speaking in tongues. It's blessed when I fill in the blank. We could have our own. There's a pietistic legalism. It's the cross plus spiritual disciplines. You know what this one sounds like, right? I'm blessed today because I have my quiet time. I'm blessed today because I believe God's word. I'm blessed today when my, I ha, because my faith in my, through my prayers. No, listen, we've got it upside down. You see, the motivation is everything. Evangelistic legalism. It's a cross plus evangelism. God's more pleased with me. God's more pleased with those who witness. That's my motivation. How beautiful are the feet who those who by faith proclaim the good news. And the, and the good news that we proclaim, by faith, it's not a formula. You see, legalism, you see, look at your notes. The legalism says, I must do blank to please God. I must do blank to elevate myself in God's eyes. Or I must do this to get something in return. If this is in here, then the effect will bleed out into our actual life. It will affect the growth of others and it will affect our own. Am I blessed by faith? This is Hebrews 11, brothers and sisters. Hebrews 11, verse 6. I think some of you might have got that Hebrews 11 passage cut off of your notes. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Turn with me to Hebrews 11. The whole chapter is, talk, is talking about those who lived by faith. I want you to see this. Hebrews 11, verse 6. You see, if, before we read this, if you put anything else, any good things, notice that that list wasn't full of bad things. Not bad things. All of them are good. All of them are necessary. But we need to get foundationally the order right this morning. Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So what pleases God? Faith alone. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Look, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. This is here because His accenting in Hebrews 11. All those who lived by what? By faith. 
By faith they did. And listen, the list is very honest. Sometimes by faith the walls fell down. And sometimes by faith they were sawn in two. Did some have less faith than the other? No. They had one goal. I would draw near to God. I will seek. What's the reward? Listen, you need to, I need to, we need to be clear this morning. You cannot trust the promises of God if you do not trust the God of the promises. You will make His promises your idol. You will make His promises your motivation. And you will treat Him like a slot machine or a cosmic bellhop. That you just do, you just read your Bible to get something in return. You just make disciples so you get something in return. You can do good things for the wrong reasons. We must do it so that we may know God. That's not what he tells us. Look at the text. Answer this question. Does God reward those who seek the reward? Or does God reward those who seek him? See the difference between living by faith and living out of legalism. What's the reward? What Hebrews says, what's the reward, brothers and sisters? Him. That's what heaven's about. It's not about your big house. It's not. It's about that your house sits on top of his. He rewards us with him. And who all who seek him. He will give them their heart's desire. We said this last week. We build, start to build on it this week and the next. Love that is exemplified clearly on the cross is the fuel for faith. Faith, brothers and sisters, is the fuel for life. So if there is an issue in your life, I commend to you, Go back and look at your first love. Go back to the cross. Well, the brothers and sisters, at the end of the day, we walk by faith, not in a Jesus that's on the cross, but on one who has rose again, who sits at the right hand of God, and who's coming and said, all who believe in me, I have raised you up and seated with me in glory. And that's happening right here, right there. This is how we live by faith. You see, it's those who understand that. Those who understand I am not dead in my sin. And I'm not going to act like I'm dead in my sin. That will stand up and walk straight to the brink of hell to, to give the gospel to someone. And they do it by faith. Is this us today? I pray that it is. And if it is, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail. Lord, we thank you for the, the gift of the gospel. The gospel that woke us up when we were dead. We weren't drowning, God. We were dead. We were a slave. We had ears and we couldn't hear. We had eyes and we couldn't see. But someone who was walking by faith preached the gospel to us. In the supernatural work of your spirit, you saved us. So we are born again, new in Christ. And Lord, we worship you for that. Who do we have to boast in? Ourselves? What do we do? We were dead. We will boast in Christ. Not only 
and a past experience, but in our present reality and our future hope. Lord, you know our hearts. You know the things we struggle with. You know the things that are fighting for joy in our life right now. Those things that are hiding your smiling face because of the finished work of your son. So Lord, would you give us victory? Would we repent and receive sunny day of your grace that reveals your smiling face that has never changed it will not change you are good and you do good and so Lord now no matter what our present reality good or bad tough or hard we will stand to our feet and we will worship the God of our salvation by faith alone and when we leave here May we live by faith alone. May we be a fragrant offering to this world of our Savior. Answer our prayers, Lord. For we cannot and we will not do it without you. Pray in your Son, our Savior, our Lord, our brothers, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship.